today on Ag News Daily. The bright spot in agriculture moving forward is going to be the adoption of technology. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike and I are live this week from Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasters annual convention. And Mike, it's fun to be down here. We get to see some people we haven't seen in, you know, a year or so. Got some interesting interviews and people we're talking to all week that we're going to be bringing on the podcast. What are your thoughts? Yes. Yes, that's it? Yes, that's all you have I to agree say? 100%. Actually, today I'm pretty excited. We're going to be talking to one of my favorite people, uh, Mr. or rather the Chad the Colby, Chad Colby. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the drone and ag tech genius, the Wunderkind, as we'd say in sure. the German. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking about technology a little bit. He gave a great talk this morning, kind of get people fired up, thinking outside the box. What ways is technology going to impact agriculture? As we look ahead to 2019 through mm-hmm. 2030, really, if Chad's longer-term predictions there. And uh, then we had the chance to catch up with him afterwards. So, listeners, stay tuned. We'll be bringing that to you. And then uh, Delaney's going to round up some other interviews while she's down here for the rest of the week talking to some folks. So it is going to be it is going to be a good week. We're going to have all sorts of good content. We are. And maybe you could even grab an interview because you're also going to be having an interesting week. You're heading out uh, this week to go to Washington State. And it, it sounds like it's literally just a group of all ag yes. that you're going to be speaking with. Yes, it's all ag. Conventional wheat growers, small-scale tree nut producers, fruit producers, farm-to-table growers, organic, mm. non-GMO, cruelty-free, you name it. They're <laughs> all going to be in one convention hall, and uh, I'm going to be talking to them. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to try to grab as many interviews as I can because that will be a different sort of agriculture yes. than what you and I are used to here in Iowa. Absolutely. Well, Delaney, we will be bringing that the rest of the week, but today we've got to bring up the news. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Do we want to kick it off with political news? That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, let's start there. So I guess, you know, how much is the political news that happened, the midterm elections, how much is that going to impact ag? Well, I think the big thing here is the Senate remains Republican. The House switches to Democrat. Did Mm -hmm. I get that right? You got that right. Yeah. That, to me, is the biggest takeaway. So then when we look at what's going on, I think Farm Bill is going to be the big issue here because now we don't have Republican control in both House and Senate side. I I would hope that they don't have to go back and like redo pieces of it, but I guess it's a possibility. Yeah, I think what this really means is that now Colin Peterson will become the ranking member yes. of the House Agriculture Committee, um, and this gives the chance for the Democrats to cut out those work requirements mm-hmm. that they were objecting to, bring the House version, or at least in their uh, conference committee, to at least have a better shot of getting through without those work requirements, making the it all look a little bit more like the Senate bill in the final right. version. So yeah, so that I think I think you're exactly right. I think that is what we are going to see happen there. Personally, I'm just excited now. We get to be done with all of this for a while. <laughs> Delaney, Delaney, you're <laughs> so young and naive. The 2020 presidential yes, contest has I know. already kicked off. No. Yes. It has. Yes, this morning. It says. All the people who are going to be running for office uh, is what it's all about. you got to campaign. Did people already announce that they're running? No, no. Oh, okay. Then it hasn't officially started yet. No. When the first candidate or current president makes their their ploy to re-election, that's when I'll know that the political campaigns are starting again. Okay. Well, you know, it's 
Yeah, it's going to come sooner rather than later. But we do have a quote here from Colin Peterson. He said passing the farm bill is, quote, going to be the number one goal. He says, my sense is that this is going to get worked out in the lame duck session. So here before the new Congress gets sworn in in January. All right. Do you have any other political news for us, Delaney? Because mm, it's not really political. I've you? got one. Okay, let's Passed hear it. in an election yesterday, of course. Oh, yes. Michigan is the first Midwestern state to legalize recreational cannabis. They are the 10th state here in the country. Um, there, you know, this is a trend that is growing, and some investors are saying now that marijuana will become legal nationwide within the next five wow. years. Wait, so this is the first state that's passed it for recreational use? In the Midwest. Oh, I was Can like, I thought Colorado and yep, California. Colorado. Okay, in the Midwest. Okay, I missed yep, that yep, piece. Yep, in the Midwest. Uh, basically, this has investors pretty fired up. We're seeing that legalization movement spread. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot of opportunity here for a lot of our listeners as crop producers. It sounds like most of the marijuana industry continues to be heavily regulated. I don't. I, I wouldn't advise anybody to get out there and start, you know, planting some ditch weed mm -hmm. in your field. Um, though you probably don't want to plant ditchweed anyway. Now that it's going to be illegal, you got to have the good stuff. Panama Red. And sure. The other. Okay. Pa Maui Wowie. I think you just made that up. Yeah, that. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm pulling back on my knowledge of 70s rock to get these names. <laughs> um, but this is this has started, so we are seeing a new crop move into production here in the United States. All right. Well, I'm going to turn tables then and talk about not a new crop, but a new commodity market for folks in Africa. This is uh, going to happen in Ghana, the first time in West Africa that the country of Ghana will have a commodity exchange for agricultural commodities. Oh. They, uh, the president there, I'm not going to pronounce his name because I don't know how to say it, said that this exchange would benefit around 1 million Ghanaian farmers by securing storage for their harvest over the next 18 months, and it aims to substantially reduce post-harvest losses. I think this is exciting because, I mean, we're seeing technology, and this is really, I think, the next big market for a lot of things. Well, so and so this isn't like the Chicago Board of Trade. This is literally a physical yes. commodities exchange. They're going to build storage. It's, it's essentially an elevator. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That's what it sounds like, more so than a commodity like we think of a CME group or whatever. Right. So is this going to be opened this year? Like, are they going to be able to put this year's crop in it? That's a good question. I, the article doesn't specify the timeline for that. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't okay. know for sure. It's not open I can't today. Speak to that. You can't right. go and stick this year's corn in it. Correct. In Ghana. Well, as long as we're talking stuff going on around the world, we've got news here from the USMEF. They released a new analysis showing that US, the U.S. has shipped about $6.2 billion worth of beef around the globe from January through September. That, Delaney, that's an 18% increase over mm -hmm. last year. I think I saw that article earlier this week. That yeah. is a lot of beef moving around the world. I think that is just phenomenally good news. A lot of this beef continues to go to South Korea. We've talked about that a lot here on the podcast. Yep, and there are trade negotiators in South Korea this week. I think I read somewhere yesterday or the day before, 50 business members. Remember, they were meeting with like 200 mm -hmm. different yeah. people. There's only 50 of them there. So, I don't know. It seems like a lot of meetings They're having to squeeze 200 in. meetings. That's four meetings apiece. That's doable. Yeah, I guess that's true when yeah. you break it down. Yeah, you can you can squeeze that in. Yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, so that's the news there. South Korea has been buying a ton of uh, both beef and pork. Mm. So this is still very, very good news. But, uh, you know, we still do have China and Mexico have their retaliatory tariffs on U.S. pork. You know, is that still impacting the market? Probably, but not in a huge amount given the... uh, the exemptions that have been granted in Mexico and the fact that China wasn't buying much pork to begin right, with. Right, right. Well, that leads me nicely here into some news I have. I'm going to kind of package this all up, and then I'm going to be done with my news, and I'll let you take over, Mike. I've got a couple of quick pieces here. So the first one is in regards to the U.S.-China trade relations. They uh, said that they will hold a top-level security dialogue this coming Friday, which is the latest sign, of course, in trade negotiations and talks. This was, of course, after the high-level dialogue, which happened last week on the phone call between President Trump and President Xi. So that's exciting news. The other thing I wanted to talk about here was reading an article this morning on Reuters. China's top grain-producing province, I think it's pronounced Heilongjiang. Is that how you'd say that, maybe? Okay, anyways, their top grain-producing province almost doubled its 2018 subsidies for soybean growers, Mm. trying to push those folks to grow soybeans for the next coming years. Their uh, province set subsidies at 320 yuan, is that how you say it, Uh, per MU, what's their... uh, What's their Hector? The no. Moo. The Moo. Okay. Thanks for that. I don't know how you say it either, to be honest. Which is basically, so 6.924 equals 1 US dollar. So they set it at uh, about 50 cents per Moo, whatever their acreage is there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, getting a little off track there. Yeah. The point is, this is, I think, really going to push folks here to grow a lot less corn and a lot more soybeans. And I saw some trade analysts this morning discussing this, thinking like, you know, long term, this is going to create, again, a more bullish story for corn. Yeah, absolutely. Seeing people switch to that. Then lastly, the thing I want to wrap it up here is with farmers' moods, which is studied pretty in-depth by the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. They found that producer sentiment improved from September to October by 22%, largely More than 60% said that the USMCA agreement had relieved a lot of their concerns about farm income and their moods about the farm economy in general. Well, that is good news. Now we just need those good moods to transfer into good bottom line Mm -hmm. so we can keep lenders happy. Absolutely. Well, Delaney, you talked about perhaps creating a more bullish sentiment in the corn market. We didn't see it develop today, but what do you think? Should we run through the numbers? Let's do it. Folks, remember our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. You can get in touch with any one of their talented analysts by giving them a call. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at Zaner. That's Z-A-N-E-R dot com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. In the corn market today, these contract down a penny at 372 and a quarter. The March down one and a quarter to finish the day at 384 even. Looking in soybeans, the November contract, uh, you know, down four and a half cents at 867 and a half. January down five cents to close the day at 879 and a quarter. In Chicago wheat, December was off one and a half cents at 510 and a half. The March down four and a quarter to close the day at 523 even. Jumping over to the world of livestock, we've got mixed trade in the live cattle complex. The December contract was up 67 and a half cents to 
today at 116.10 with the February down 80 to finish at 119.60. Weakness in feeder cattle, the November contract down a nickel at 149.92.50, the January down 77.5 to close the day at 145.82.50. And mixed trade in lean hogs, the Dease contract was up $1.42.50 to finish at 55.52.50, the February down 17.5 to close at 61.22.50. And a half. And a quick look over at the dairy market. Our friends producing that delicious Class 3 milk saw the November contract drop six cents on the day at 114.46, while the December was off 17 at 14.66. Without further ado, let's turn it over to Chad Colby and get his thoughts on what's driving technology in agriculture. Brought to us by our friends at Barber Cattle. Are you looking to buy or sell quality cattle? Make Barber Cattle your first call. Laura Barber of Barber Cattle and Sons of Kentucky can connect you with high-quality cattle, and they work nationwide. Call Laura at 859-229-7691. That number again, 859-229-7691. Get the best cattle with Barber. First of all, good morning. Uh, Tremendous pleasure to be here. I texted Max this morning, early this morning, and uh, I got airborne and was flying over this morning. Sometimes you have to adjust your plans with a 60-knot headwind. So uh, the good news is uh, I am here. Um, I want you guys to know that uh, being a part of of this, and I've told Max the story and I like it so much, is being in the ag industry all my life is uh, this this conference, this event, this is the second time I've been here, is just a tremendous honor for me. And I mean that. As I travel around the country and talk to farmers, the last six or eight years, all of you in this room play just a key role in that. And uh, it's very special for me to be here. So welcome. And like Max said, too, I'm going to be here all the rest of the day and, and all day tomorrow, too, as well. So if you need something, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. So my intent here this morning, um, spend about 30 minutes, and I'm going to give you a lot of information. And I 100% agree with Max. I want to make sure you got some time for some questions. And especially in this room, there's, there's no dumb question. You just ask away. You know, when you talk about technology today, it really moves at a pace that's really hard to even comprehend. And I say that because most of us here in the United States are are familiar with the basics. The basics are corn and soybeans, some specialty crops, the Farm Progress Show, National Farm Machinery Show, your local farm show. But what you realize when you get away from the United States is that it's just, it's so much bigger than that. I had a chance to go to Agritechnica. It's, It's held late November um, every odd year, so it'll be next year. This was last year. And folks, I can't even describe to you. Show of hands, who's been to that show? I know Max has. Good, there's a few of you. And I could tell because your heads were shaking. There's nothing like it. It, it, it makes the Farm Progress show look like a, a pizza parlor on a Friday night. I mean, it's just a, it's just a whole, whole different deal. Um, obviously, they're not running machinery there, so the Farm Progress just goes, got a big one up on that. But uh, just a few slides from that. And I, I think it's interesting, as I've traveled the world and talked, you realize that everybody has the same challenge. And the challenge is adopting this technology and where's that line. And I think that's the hard part for all of us to convey. And, you know, when you're at Louisville, and and I would guess most of you in the room have been there, it's wall-to-wall people. Everybody's looking to learn what that latest technology is. And obviously, you know, the biggest outdoor show of them all, you know, the Farm Progress Show, that's where you can go see the equipment in action. But technology, when you start really pushing the limits, goes much, it goes much farther than that. And I want to give you guys some examples of what's basically here now, or if you haven't seen it, it's right around the corner and it should get, you atten- get your attention. 
So this is an armrest on a typical tractor, and everybody's got that now, some fancy display on there. But what's interesting now is the technology exists um, where the machine can actually adjust in real time based on field conditions. So a conventional cultivator going through the field like you're used to, if it, if it makes a mistake or the operator does, it's going to cause problems when you plant. We've known that my whole life. I mean, I'm sure my dad taught me this when I was a kid. And I think the part of that that I, I need this room to understand is that's a challenge for a lot of producers to get their head around using some of this technology. Hold on here. Has anybody seen this? Anybody drive a Dodge pickup? Yeah, a few of you do. Does that make anybody nervous? I'll guarantee you that'd make Max Armstrong nervous. <laughs> Am I wrong, Max? I mean, that's, that screen and that truck right there, friends, is bigger than an iPad. Oh, you can buy this right now. And no, I don't have one yet, but I probably will. Okay? It's, it's neat, but I'm going to also tell you there will be people that will not buy this because of that. And I think that's the part about technology when you take it to, there we go, when you take it to agriculture, you know, it's, it's always the big story, right? Big yields, right? Everybody wants to do that. And I'm all for that. I, I get that. And then what happens? Then we got all the challenges that come in with agriculture. It's stuff that you guys report on every single day. I can guarantee you this, and I think most of you know this, the bright spot in agriculture moving forward is going to be the adoption of technology in more ways than we can imagine in this room today. Um, anybody bought the new iPhones yet? Show of hands. A couple of you have. Listen, please. The X, the 10S, or the 10... S, X, Max, whatever that other one's called. There's an XR, too. The new camera on these is unbelievable. Can I tell them, Max? Will you let me? Um, I gave up on the, on the tech segments on the TV show using other cameras. I do it all from my phone now. I just yielded. So when you watch This Week in Agribusiness and you go, wow, that Colby guy, he did an okay job with that one. I edit it and I do it and send it to Max and I've given up. I just shoot it from my phone. Just a little heads up. Obviously, we got some fancy mics. But I want to show you this because it's, it's the same technology that goes in the phone. So we've talked about this. This was one of two slides I had in the presentation last year about technology. There's a huge jump from your iPads. If you've got anything with a Pro on it, they're three and four times better than anything else out there. That's nothing new. This is scary. The next button. Mine didn't make it. I think it shipped. I think I got a tracking number. It's not here yet. But the new, the new iPad Pro that was just announced that ships today is faster than the, than the MacBooks from a year ago. Do you guys understand what that is? That's craziness. We should just have an open bar here. It's nuts. Okay? And, I'm, and I, I kind of mean it. It's, just, it's hard to keep up with that. And listen, and we're on the forefront. This group I'm speaking with today, you guys are on the forefront. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Put yourself in a, far, in a farmer's shoe who says this. You know what they tell me? Oh, I bought an iPad four years ago. Well, how would you even compare that? That's like comparing to a 1979 Chevy, right? You know, whether you're using drones or sensors in the field, you're going to use all that data to make real good, real-time decisions. It's hard not to get excited about that. i got two more little things I'm going to show you, and then I'm going to turn Max loose. The other thing we have the capability to do is to determine in your field where you've got some problems, whether that's nematodes or fungus or insecticide or you want to do micronutrients. 
And there's, there's some new systems in place now where the planner can switch those products in real time based on the stress that you have in the field. This is pretty exciting. The neat part about this company, when they came out with this, it's AMVAC. Um, what's cool about this is there's a little trend in agriculture now that I really like, and that is this fact. Historically, we would hold the new technology, not show anybody, don't show anybody, do some R&D, don't show anybody, don't show anybody, and then here it is, bolted on your tractor. And the change that's coming today is companies like these guys now are starting to show you what they're working on and say, listen, it's coming in 2020. I mean, they're obviously still testing it. But this is pretty neat. And then I've got one more for you that's equally just as crazy. Get your opinion on this. If this plays, I did a good job, Max. The thought of autonomous agriculture really got started when Case IH in 2016 at the Farm Progress Show in Iowa showed their concept they're working on. Now, I agree with most producers. The thought of a tractor or combine going across the field with nobody in the cab, quite frankly, makes even me a little nervous. But I saw a concept a couple weeks ago in Regina, Saskatchewan, firsthand. It's from a company called Dot Technology Corp. And they, they're going about autonomy a little bit different. They've developed a powered platform with all the latest technology that you would expect. Cummings Powered has RTK, GPS systems, all those things that we've come accustomed to. They've also worked on some of the transportation issues with this platform as far as moving it from field to field. As far as the field operation goes, I could tell you that's pretty seamless. This machine has all the bells and whistles that we all use today. Obviously, they've incorporated some of the newest technologies in automation using a lot of that from the automobile industry. And I found this to be very interesting as this seems like maybe a practical application of autonomy. Have a powered unit, have that powered unit, have different implements that go on it, such as an auger cart, maybe even a sprayer. This is an interesting concept that's starting to gain a little bit of traction. When you look at the technology behind it, it's technology that really already exists. They utilize telematics. That's really nothing new. Most of our equipment has that today. Now, obviously, when you get back to the farm, you're going to use a remote control, and you're going to drive it around your barnyard. You're going to use that to take the implements on and off. But the part I was really impressed with is that other companies are starting to get on board with pushing the limits of this technology. Here's a sprayer that I got to see up in Regina, and guess what? That sprayer does fit on dot and they've been using it in the field. So it's going to be an interesting ride to see where autonomy takes us. But I'll lead with one question before we open it up here. Do you see any slowing of the technological advance because of the ag economy right now? You know, we're in this long, dark tunnel, and one could imagine that with earnings constrained for various reasons that companies might be saying, uh, we've got to pull back a little bit here. Max, right now I would tell you it's almost the opposite. The reason being is, I always tell the story, and I saw it two weeks ago again. Um, the growers today that are not taking advantage of technology today, there's 20 bushel yield difference in soybean fields, and there's 50 to 100 bushel difference in cornfields. I mean, I rode in a field of soybeans, probably shouldn't report this, that was doing 109 as the field average. It went two miles away, and they were doing 71 at the same time, harvested a day apart. All I'm saying is the guy that did 109 was doing everything, Max. Every treatment, every, every single thing, in the same way with corn. The thing that I, I believe that's going to push the technology is the return on the investment. 
After his talk, we got the chance to chat with Chad Colby. Chad, when you look ahead, what is the most exciting thing to you? What is today's version of drones in 2012? Now, the real-time data is the deal. Can we can we take a drone? You know, the price point needs to be south of $5,000, $3,000. Can we push a couple buttons, get that drone up in the air, and get that data right back to us? That's That's the part. That's the home run. And there's some companies now that can absolutely do that, and they can produce maps 10 times out of 10. And I tell people this all the time. It wasn't two years ago when we were 6 out of 10. Well, a farmer's not going to do that. A farmer's not going to say, I need a map on this field, but we just didn't get one today. They're not going to do that. we got to do maps every, every time. In 2018, every time I flew, I got a map, and that's never happened. And that's when the switch turned. Because now if we can do that every time, well, now when the event comes, it's a hailstorm, it's a disease, great. Let's go deploy a bunch of drones and give me all that information by 11 o'clock in the morning. And now I want to send it to my agronomist. I want to put it in a layer in my, in my data collection and all those fun things. So that's what's made the real difference right now. Chad, I've got to ask, um, when you look at technology coming down the pipeline, hardware and software for agriculture, what do you see as being the biggest things here in the next five years? I mean, you focus a lot on drones right now. Is that the next thing, that we're going to just continue to develop drones? No, not at all. That's going to happen on its own. What I'm most excited about now will be artificial intelligence and machine learning. That means, theoretically, when the drone's flying and sees the spot that has a problem, it's already Mm -hmm. sending the data to the sprayer that's right over there that's going to adjust his spray rate because, or fertility, all that's going to happen. You're seeing machinery a lot, too, where the combine is smart enough to go, hey, listen, I'm going through the field and my corn is 300 bushel, and now I'm in a dry land corner. Okay, and maybe I go out of the dry land corner and the yield drops to 150, where the combine will automatically sense that and adjust the whole machine. And, and the big boys are doing that now. The case does it, deer does it, they're all working on that. That's going to be a big deal. And the other thing you've got to remember about that, too, is it protects us from a bad operator. Hmm. I could tell you stories my whole lifetime. You could put anybody in a combine, push a couple buttons, and you could throw 20 or 30 or 40 bushel an acre right out the back of the machine. Guys have fought that for generations. You can't do that with this new technology today. So I think machine learning, artificial intelligence is really what's going to come, and some sensors in the ground. That's the, that's the next wave, and we're all pretty excited about that. It doesn't take a genius to put that, that together. Absolutely. Chad, when you're talking about data, when you're talking about all these data collection techniques that we've got and the more that are coming, I hear that. I'm not passionate about technology. I'm not passionate about data. This sounds like a massive headache. We can collect the stuff. How can we interpret the stuff in a way that's simple for me? Is that piece of the puzzle in place yet, or is it coming? Yeah. You, you hit the nail out of it, the ball out of the park, the nail in the head, find a good analogy. That is the challenge. Because, first of all, we need to collect the data, but what, what are we going to do with all this data? You know, there's growers that have made yield maps for 15 years on fields and didn't know why they were doing it and haven't done anything with it. We all know that. It's not a secret. So the platforms have to be in place that, that the data you collect can be interpreted. And what's gonna, I think you're going to see the skip, the skip in the technology is we'll just take the data and take it right to artificial intelligence and machine learning, let the machine do whatever it needs mm. to do with that data. And I think that's going to be the exciting part. You know, remember, if we've got sensors that can sense things in the soil when we plant, and then the planter has the ability to adjust fertility and seeding in real time. What's the guy in the tractor doing? He's on Twitter. Yeah. He's, tweet, he's tweeting <laughs> yeah. to you and me, Mike. That's Absolutely. Hey, Chad, look at this. And he's I taking love a it. screenshot. <laughs> so then going off of that, how do uh, producers cut through the chatter of, all, there's all these companies saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to help you utilize your data. We're going to do this and this and this. How do I know what's the best choice for me? And I know that somebody's not just feeding me a pile of crap. Oh, man. I, again, 
you have to find some trusted resources. I tell people this all the time, and whether it's folks like you two, myself, you got a, an agronomist, you you got to find a place to start and and try some of these because you're going to fail. I, I get it. It's not a slam dunk, but the technology's out there, but you, you can't just sit and watch anymore. The technology's too valuable. Fantastic. Chad Colby, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Where can folks find you? Well, there's this little thing called Twitter. So uh, at the Chad Colby, you can find me. And I've got a website, Colby Ag Tech. And you know what? I've had the same phone number for 25 years. So you can find me. It's not hard. But, yeah, shoot me a message or let you guys know whatever you need. And uh, when all this stuff changes, we'll be sure to uh, get the information out as quick as we can. And that's a, I think that's a challenge in itself, Mike. Absolutely. That's what you're supposed to do in Delaney. You guys handle that. <laughs> we will. Thanks, all right, All right. Well, again, a big thank you to Chad Colby. He's always got great stuff. And honestly, he is a great resource. If you guys have questions for technology implementation on your operations, you don't know how to cut through some of the chatter or you don't understand what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing, he's honestly a great resource for that. He's more than happy to talk with folks, I think. Oh, absolutely. He just loves chatting about this stuff. And you can find him at TheChadColby there on Twitter. Delaney, where can they find Ag News Daily on Twitter? Well, we're going to be posting stuff all week here from NAFB. We're going to be talking to top ag leaders, agribusiness folks, people in the trade industry. So you can follow us on social media at Ag News Daily on Facebook and on Twitter. Mike, if they want to go to listen to any past episodes, however, where should they be headed? They can still go to agnewsdaily.com or they can visit our new home at the at uh, www.globalagnetwork.com slash agnewsdaily. And uh, that's where you can catch up on all of our past episodes and uh, just kind of stay current with what else happening in the world of agriculture. With that, Delaney, shall we let the people go? Let's let them go.